And a very good morning uh, to our next guest. How to run a harmonious bubble as we all stay at home. Parent and coach and educator Joseph Dreesen says there are leadership skills that parents can develop to help develop a smooth rhythm in the family. Joseph, welcome back. Hey, welcome, Catherine. So nice to be uh, talking with you again. It's lovely. Let's bring so, your yeah, expertise. I've got five little skills. Yeah, go ahead. And, Just uh, go ahead. Yep, and I just thought I'll, 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 we've got roughly um, a quarter of an hour, so we'll spend three or four minutes at each. How's that? So the first thing is, is a good paradigm is to be the captain of a ship. Like a ship runs itself in some ways, and you just nudge it along and you set its course. Um, but the key is the captain who's actually looking after themselves. So the first thing you've got to realize that you are a captain of a ship. It's more difficult now. You've got a family to look after all day, 24-7. And you've got to realize you just got to look after yourself and accept both the responsibilities and privileges of being the captain and, and look after yourself. So I'll just do a little checklist here for some of your parents who might find this useful. Like, are you looking after yourself? Do you have a time and place where it's just for you and you can think and reflect? Do you, When you reflect, do you focus on what you've achieved and it's positive? So you are your, your own yourself, your best friend. Do you acknowledge what's difficult and just say, well, that's what I'm finding difficult, you know? Do you... Um, Are you doing actually some journaling, maybe five minutes a day where you write up because processing your feelings and your thoughts is really cool. And lastly, do you look after your own mind and spirit by going for walks and running and practice mindfulness and meditation? And you might say, well, you know, this was about running the family, Joseph. Yeah, but you can't run your family if you're frazzled, if you're emotionally uptight, if you've got lots of unprocessed business and, and you, you pump that into your family situation. Everybody picks up the cue what the captain is thinking and doing and feeling and your children will observe you and, and do that. So the next thing is you, your partner. Most of us live with partners and, and you've got to realize that the love you have for your for your partner, for your wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, that love, that harmony, that sense of well-being, that is by osmosis goes into your family and that's the engine room of your children. When your children feel that you are on side with your partner, there's lots of love going on there, they feel deliriously happy. And when they're deliriously happy, their attachment is hugely strong and their play and learning will just run by itself. Conversely, if you neglect your partner or your partnership or you can't resolve the issues or, or you neglect the fact that you are friends and lovers and you just think, well, we can just discard all that, you're making a big mistake. Your children will pick up the tension, the frustration and the angers, etc. So look after your partner. And, and, you know, take Jacinta's wonderful comment, be kind and, uh, and do that. Then the next thing, once you've got that in, set in place and you do that every day, every day you look after yourself, every day you look after your partner, then you can work together and, and make a rough plan. And I suggest that you should do what, what, what many people do, just at the end of the week, make a rough plan for the week. It's just a rough plan. And then each day have a plan for the day. If you're an early person, get up early before the children and map it out. Or if you're a late night person, do it at night. But don't just go and wing it every day. That's not, not a good thing, winging it all day long, because it will blow up in your face. Then I would propose to you 
the last part of steering yourself is also is to make sure that you set up a rough scaffolding structure which is routine and which you will follow each day and the structure should contain good eating the most important part is your children are well fed in the morning morning tea afternoon tea lunch etc you can do it formally by arranging it all delegating it or you can just have a, a buffet meal uh, where the, ch the, the children are coached to help themselves. Uh, many kindergartens and early childhood centers run both systems and they work equally well, whatever suits your family. Don't underestimate how much food little children need on the run because their little metabolisms kind of kind of used all up. And, and don't underestimate how much food teenagers need. And uh, so good eating is the key. Then the next thing is that you're going to have lots of play and, and activities, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the key is that you need to have episodes of calm, episodes of centering, episodes where everybody just lies down, has a nap, or they just do quiet playing on their devices, and there is no noise and no talking. And why that is, is as children become active, they can have a feed uh, a loop a feedback loop where their excitement and noise makes it worse and worse and they become more hyper and hyper excited and so um, great management of children is to provide those periods of rests and you could just institute it you know let's all just have a rest or a nap then I, what most well-run and families and classrooms have there's a jointly coming together uh, episodically, where we all come together. It might be at the end of the day, where we talk, or at lunchtime, etc. And so those that structure of good eating, uh, freedom and play, individual activities, which I'll cover, and then rest and coming together, you need to think about how to do that. And if I were you, I would make them quite time-bound and, and, and set up a schedule so that the children know this is going to happen every day. So that was my first part, really looking after yourself, setting up a structure, making a plan and running with it. Then the next thing I just want to talk about is that a happy family runs itself. Uh, a happy family is like a sailing boat. There is lots of forces on that sailing boat, but somehow it's balanced and it steers itself. The happiness of the children uh, creates a harmony and forces which actually you just nudge it. And so you don't micromanagement, you don't... Uh, authoritarianly make it say we're going to do it this way or you don't have sudden decisions you just find the rhythm of your family which works for you which is unique for each day and week and you nudge it you know the best leaders aren't noticed they just nudge here and nudge there that's what I do accept the fluctuations and sometimes little storms and make them storm in a teacup it's just another blip you know and you steady the ship it's another wonderful uh, sailing term, steady the ship, keep it on an even keel, just make it, you know, do it, do it that gently, you know, an old Chinese saying, how do you run a big state? And it's like cooking a small fish, do it gently. And, um, and then accept that every day is a big learning experience for you. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a new adventure because the dynamics might be totally different. Well, you, one day your children are on their devices and you can hardly get them off it. And the next day uh, your four and five-year-olds are building a huge, huge tower and that's, that sets up a whole new dynamic. And one day 
your teenager might be really happy and the next day um, that in they they might have been unliked by some of her friends and they become quite moody quite a lot of the moodiness of teenagers is due to the to to the mistakes they make in, in navigating their peers and so yeah well you just run with that so try and run your family not by micromanagement or force at all but try and just nudge it along and let it run itself. That's that's what's my next little advice to the parents. And most parents do this, uh, but some parents might have found that useful. Then the next topic is you, leadership is not doing it yourself. Leadership is delegating and getting the team to do it in a nice way. So see your family as a crew. Every member of the family is part of the crew. And, and and the key things, if you look at the analogy of a boat, which is actually really helpful because you're all cooked up together and there's forces operating on you and you've got to steer it and work together and you can't escape, so you've got to keep harmony. So the key thing is that everybody has a place of their own. You and your partner's bedroom should be sacred, you know. You might lend it out to some of your children for activities, but most of the time it's your place. Each child should have a bedroom or a bed or, or part of a bunk or a corner. And, and many children will find a little corner. Try and create corners. Rearrange your living rooms and dining rooms so there's little corners. So children can just find themselves and hide and play so that they can center themselves. Then the next thing, each child should have a series of jobs. And, and jobs, you've got to just realize how that works. It's, it's, it's actually quite simple. Initially, it's an invitation. You invite a child. Hey, shall I help you? For example, you might have a 12-year-old who, who's actually, or a 9-year-old who's actually capable of making a simple meal, but you need to help them. So you invite them. Would you like to help them with make a meal? You make it simple. Uh, spaghetti and toast and poached eggs. That's all. Simple meal. You coach them how to do that, and they do it with you. And then you let them do it by themselves, but you scaffold it. Scaffolding means you just support that. And you say, oh, remember, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And then you say, well, do you think you can run this yourself? You delegate it. And, and they say, yeah, we think we can do it. And then you say, well, you take ownership. You're on dinner for tonight, you know. And, of course, you'll remind them, 5.30, you've got to start. And But you give them ownership. You don't intervene. You don't micromanage. You don't hold them accountable. You say, well, run with it. And so this 12-year-old for the first time is making an entire meal and then everybody does it and has the meal and maybe they burn to toast or whatever. That's not important. It is the process of coaching. And then what you do, you just praise for what you think went well and you praise what you think should improve. You say, you know, you did all that well um, and then you ask them, what, what do you think you could do better? And so you do that. So all the crew's got a place. They all have a job. Everybody has a job. Everybody's part of the team. And you've got this team charter. Everybody achieves more. And you can make it official. You know, you could ask your family, how do you like to work as a team? What helps you? Make it all positive. Don't criticize. What is good for you? Write it up and do it. And then lastly, as a captain, you've got to manage each team member. Like some children don't need any management. They're just lovely. But other other children are brittle and fractious and, and, and they become scattered and they might be a little hyperactive. And you, you, you build that relationship and you ask them, how can I help you and how could this go a little better? So there's a relationship with each member of your family with you personally. And then once that's set, then you've got an influence over their relationship with each other. And and I just want to say most of the relationships will be good, but if they're not, 
then you want to intervene. A captain must intervene in the conflict of the crew. And so you sit down together with a child, two children, and then my proposal for most parents is that the best thing is if children are constantly fractious, uh, uh, fighting with each other, sibling rivalry, that you just simply separate them and isolate them. So you can say it's an internal coronavirus method. And uh, and you just say to the children, well, if you want to be in a joint space of the family, you've got to earn that by being harmonious. And if it's not, I'll coach you. But in the meantime, I want to isolate you and separate you. So the children go into separate little spaces and they're not allowed to play together and they're not allowed to play in the family. Now, that is a very powerful process because most children, most people do not want to be excluded from their social uh, social group. And then just be ready to do this three or four times. So you say, shall we start again? Would you like to play together again? And there's another row or another thing. And you say, well, isolate and separate and then make it a bit longer. And then come back again, have a little talk, coach, isolate and separate. And I'll guarantee parents that if you do this calmly and caringly and you coach them what's going on and you try and make the children understand in your individual relationships what is the issue here for you, then um, then I propose to you this will work. But I would I would propose to the, all the parents that a fractious, quarreling family is a sign of deep mismanagement by the parents. So two more to go. The next one is you've got to practice your emotional intelligence skills each day. The emotions run high sometimes. And what are the key skills? And I'm sure most parents know, but I just want to go through them. Listen more and speak less. Just listen. Ask, you know, and then ask what's going on. And then don't jump in and pro, uh, coach and preach and uh, reprimand. Help the child to recognize what are you feeling and why is that and and honor those feelings. You're disappointed. You're sad uh, or, you know, you're, 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 you can't see your girlfriend as a teenager and so you're sad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's normal. Let, help the children to recognize, accept, honor their emotions, label them and manage them. That's a key thing. Recognize your emotions, accept they're there, honor them, label them and manage them. And then you coach them, well... I know you're disappointed or a little five-year-old, you were disappointed with your sister, but you cannot throw things around. Or to your teenager, you're sad about this interaction with your girlfriend, but you can't just slam doors, you know, it just, it's not the way to do it. And you keep on doing that. You do the same with your partner. You, you're emotionally intelligent with your partner. The best thing you can do to your partner is listen and ask them what their emotions are and honor them. Don't try and Correct them, change them, suppress them, or reprimand them. Don't do that. So practicing your emotional intelligence is a key skill uh, uh, as a captain uh, with your crew. Then the last thing we'll talk about is uh, you want to facilitate independent play, and uh, you want to learn what great parents and teachers do. Now, many parents I've observed think that they should be playing with their children quite actively, become their playmates. Um, but I'm proposing to you it doesn't work like that. That's not that's good, but it's not the best. The best is to promote your children to play by themselves, either with each other or by themselves. And and how do you do that? Is you capture their imagination and delight. You might read them a story, for example, about uh, you might sit down with your young children and read them a wonderful story about Peter Rabbit and this and that, and and they're interested in that. And then 
you say, well, you know, I wonder what Peter Abbott would do. And just and you say, do you want to play about that? Or you want to make a play yourself? Or you want to be pretend? You just stimulate that. Would you like to do something with this imaginary new world I've introduced you to? And nine out of ten, the children will run with that. All of a sudden, you find kids making huts. Uh, uh, your little daughter is, is having lots of baby rabbits in, in, in the nursery. And the little boys are doing something different. And they just run with it, and you just stand back. The great teacher stands back and doesn't micromanagement or upset that equilibrium. They let that just run, you know. But the children will keep on looking at you. Are you still psychologically present? Or are you on your own device? And the answer is, you've got to be psychologically present. So you just sit there and smile and you look at them and, and make a comment and or ask them what's happening. They will come and look at you all the time. That is, children are psychologically designed to do their activities but keep an eye on their parent. Are they still there to protect me if something goes wrong? So, um, well, so once you've done that. Yeah. Have we, have, we, have we now finished, have we? Pretty much. Just just give us your last wisdom. Well, the last wisdom is that this will cause chaos in your family because make, people are making huts and, and et cetera, et cetera. And you want to coach the family to honor that, to not get annoyed that there is legal all over the dining room. Just say, honor it for a while. And then you want to tell your children, ask them, so have you finished now with this hut? And someone said, no, no, we're still playing. Then, okay, have have lunch, not in the dining room, but in the lounge. Honor honor what they're doing. Honor their constructions. Honor their, 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 their thinking, etc. And then eventually you want to say, well, now we need to tidy it up. And then they need to cooperate. The whole crew comes together and tidies up. And so you set up your, your place for the next phase. Well, I hope that your parents enjoy that. I'm sure they're 9 out of 10, but if it becomes 9.5 out of 10, they'd be perfect. Thank you so much, Joseph Dreesen, our parenting commentator.